There's been a lot of departures from the showgrounds in the last few weeks. Goalkeepers, centre-forwards and CEOs. Where do Sligo Rovers go from here? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where we've seen Derry City drop out of Europe, Sligo Rovers start to search for a new CEO and the Women's World Cup is over. But how do we look back at Ireland's part in it all? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com as always. And Nathan, you're more or less a Sligo man these days, and so you must have your finger on the pulse down. Careful in now, the, careful now. <laughs> down in football news down in the west. So, why is everyone bailing from Sligo Rovers? Yeah, uh, mass exodus, wasn't it? I just said a couple of players had to shimmy off the one side, but uh, this was the news that was confirmed by the club. Um, it was actually yesterday at the time of recording. And that's uh, that CEO Colin Feely has uh, will be sorry stepping down from his role in the coming weeks. This is a priority to um, pursue other opportunities, and that uh, the, the recruitment hunt is already beginning with applications open. So if there's any budding uh, League of Ireland CEOs listening in, you can uh, get your applications in on the Sligo Rover social media pages. But uh, yeah, in, another surprising departure from a club that probably could really do without it. Like uh, I don't know if you ever. I assume you never met Colin Roy. Uh, no. I've had a chance to meet him a few times now, being a slow guy. I've been involved with the League of Ireland. Like, I would have first met him when I was doing a uh, volunteer in St. Pat's doing programs. So you'd meet a lot of uh, the, the volunteers. I think he was the kit man or the equipment manager of Sligo Rovers when I first met him. So someone that's heavily involved with the club and even on a voluntary basis now for a mm. good while. And, and he's still someone that is quite young. So you'd imagine he'd be headhunted uh, elsewhere. But he was actually the fourth CEO of Sligo Rovers. That was when he was appointed in 2019. And in fairness to him, he's someone that's come into Sligo at the time, especially, and really modernised how they operated on a day-to-day basis and in terms of the structure. And I sort of like forward-thinking ideas that now, like four years down the line, are very basic. But it's a club that was, and you know what, probably still is, operates off um, a committee basis and a committee of a lot of older people that look no disrespect guys that could run circles around me and you in terms of their knowledge of the league of ireland their knowledge how to run a football club but i think sometimes you do need a fresh injection like uh, what colin was into a club to just uh offer up them new ideas for them but i don't think it's a, like we, we talked about the unfair aspect of the of them there's, there's nothing to do with, with colin they're still in a relegation fight at the minute but now there's a couple of admin errors. Again, we don't know if it was strictly down uh, to himself or it was other aspects of the club. Like we've seen the Fabrice Hartman situation when he came in on loan in 2022 from uh, Orby Leipzig and there's paperwork that wasn't sorted. Mm. So he was in Sligo training with the force team, getting paid, most importantly, but he actually couldn't feel him out until the start of this season in 2023. was a bit of a disaster. We're sick to our teeth talking about you, uh, the, the state of facilities across the league as a whole. Uh, Sligo Rovers one of the was always one of the more pleasing to the eye, but it's another ground that they're talking about massive master plans. We hope that goes to plan again. Financial situation will really sway that a lot, but it's really one that's at it's one and sloppy in its appearance. Again, I always say it: you do need a lot of money to completely revamp and uh, 
redevelop these grounds but things like a lick of paint and a bit of base of maintenance go a long way too to, yeah. to sort of battling that a little bit so it'd be interesting to see where they do go Roy as you said uh CEO now gone the top goal scorer Max Matter now gone bafflingly they got rid of the number one goalkeeper on loan to Wrexham well, probably, I think we, the fan question this week does talk about manager, managers and managers under pressure. So we're not really going to go into that right now. But even the Johnny Russell situation, you know, we're coming into the uh, the final round of fixtures massively, as I said. So you got to still very well in this relegation battle. You could still very end, uh, well end up in ninth position come the end of the season. So that's another one. Do we, with the manager, do we stick, do we twist? But Where do you think, Nathan, this has come from? Do you think that he's looking just to pursue his own sort of adventures or is it a case that he feels that maybe that he can't take the job any further? Again, as I met him, I don't know him personally, but I'd imagine looking at him, as I said, he, as far as CEOs go in the league, he is quite young. Mm. So I would imagine it is a thing of was he headhunted elsewhere outside of football even. And as as well, he's someone that has very, very notably and very vocally has said he's a Sligo Rover supporter. So, it probably, you know yourself, it's, it's sometimes you do need to step away, even though you love the club to bits and you adore it, you do need to sort of step away from the time and just be a supporter and just and just find your love for the club once again. You know yourself, Roy, being with Luke and United, I'm sure there is times where, God, I'd just love to be a supporter again and instead of coming down and, and organising every aspect of the club that you love. I don't know myself. With volunteer, I know volunteering is a completely different kettle of fish to being a CEO and to being so heavily involved, which you are with Lucan. But there is times where you just think your match days need to just go to being match days as 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 a supporter, just going down and enjoying that aspect of it instead of working for the club. So yeah, I'd imagine Colin was just either headhunted elsewhere or is genuinely looking for other opportunities outside of football. Yeah. Um. So where do they go from here? Yeah, tough one. Uh, look, we, we can't really talk about the CEO position. We're not we're only no. going to most people no, any time but, soon. But, um, you do had someone in there who loved the club, who... Yeah. They, they, I'm going to say they bled red, but that's a, that's a certainty anyhow. Um, <laughs> I get the power, I get the power yeah. job with that, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> does that... That could be a positive thing and a negative thing. Um, maybe you could make decisions based on your love for the club rather than hard business decisions. Uh, so maybe bringing someone new in, someone with uh, to build on the foundations, not that he hasn't done a good job, to build on the foundations no, that he no, has no, laid no. there, that maybe someone who comes in with, with to, to make this company which it is. Generally, you look at these, they're companies, the football clubs are companies if they're going into the professional ranks and that they can make this financially a success. Yeah, I think so. And I, I wonder where they go down the route now of being somebody in, possibly even outside the club. Mm. I touched on it last week and I think we probably actually talk about it now, now that we're actually okay for time, considering it's only the start of the show. I think that should be the next step for Sligo Rovers going forward. It's a massive identity of the club that they're community based and they're run uh, voluntarily. And we praise them, haven't we, Roy, over the past years in terms of their fundraising and the fan base and what they do for the club and how they keep that club alive. I really do think they have to start looking now at bringing in an outside investor to really come in. And we're not even talking here now about competing for winning leagues or getting into Europe. This is just to, to keep yourself in the Premier Division. And I really do think that's that's the way they have to they have to look at it now. It works for certain clubs, it works for the likes of Bohemians too, but um 
I think they're looking at Sligo this season. Uh, the, the investment that's gone into the squad, the recruitment simply has not been good enough whatsoever. And that's telling now that they're coming in, into the end of the season. And the difference that losing two players like, like uh, Max Martin and Luke McNicholas is really starting to show. I think that three uh, games now in the league without a win. They have a massive game coming up against Cork City uh, next week on the 4th of September in Tonas Cross. So that's going to be a huge, huge relegation. Uh, six point that there. So I think they have someone that does have uh, financial investment and that is the willing to invest not only in the squad, but we talked about this master plan of redevelopment at a showgrounds. And it's another another stadium that does need it. It's not the, it wouldn't be the worst in the league by any stretch of the imagination. But again, it, it's definitely the appearance of it is torn and sloppy. It is. Yeah. It's not what it used to be, and that's, that's a lot of grounds do fall into that category. So, and as you said, Nathan, it, you've got the likes of Galway United, who yeah, yeah. how successful have they been this year? Yeah. You know, they kept faith in John Caulfield easily, as we discussed at the start of the year. They could could have easily, you know, it was his last Haran, and they oh yeah, they stuck with him, and he's doing a fantastic job there. But they have the money now to back the the manager Waterford if they got up, which you. It's very likely they have you know a bit of backing now behind them to be able to push on and well whatever that long that lasts that's another story altogether <laughs> but there are clubs left right and centre now starting to pick up interest within the league and other clubs are going to get left behind and something has to change for you as you said not just to be in the league or not to compete but just to be in the league and uh, the reason why Drogheda the reason why Sligo are down there is because they're starting to feel the pinch. Yeah, definitely I do think so. And as you said, the, the, team, the teams like Drogheda that are down there, they've been very open about the fact that they are looking for an investor. And reportedly, it, it, it's happening sooner rather than later where it's all quiet on the wrestling front from a Sligo Rovers point of view of an investor. And that's simply because they're not actively looking for one. So they obviously feel that they're in a position where they can't survive off the amazing fundraising work that, that the club goes in, whether that be, you know, the the, the lottery tickets, the, 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 they have an annual draw, um, the, the uh, Forza Rovers crowd, they do a lot of uh, fundraising for the club and uh, loads of aspects of it. But yeah, I, I, I said it last week and I'll continue to say again, I think clubs and especially Sligo Rovers could be a perfect example that will fall through the gaps with the Galways coming up, the Waterfords coming up. The Waterfords don't come up this year in the playoffs. You'd imagine they'd be favourites to, to, to come up next year as a, a full-time team. Even Cork City in nine position have a full-time structure. Mm. I think the only other club you could really look at, uh, as I said, Drotter, I think they will get invested during the year is a uh, UCD, the bottom of the, the Premier Division for most of the season. Now, they're going to go down. Uh, even though they do have the backing of the college, I feel like UCD could be doing a lot more to uh, to improve that from a football side of things. Or even if, if that's not pumping money into the squad, it could be uh, a market employee. Like, they have a whole campus full of potential supporters sitting there. Even yeah. if that is only going to be three or four years, that's not being tapped into. But, uh, yeah, I would fear for Sligo Rovers' uh, long-term uh, stability in the Premier Division if they were to... To stick to their guns and you don't have to have someone coming in taking a hundred percent stake at the club and, and like you, you can keep a balance of having a community aspect rather that be a split of ownership rather that be uh intermenting a supporters club that has a lot of say in it but i just think they do need that bit of extra financial help if they want to stay active in the premier division if they want to keep a good squad of players there and sell them on and move them on and most importantly if they want to get that redevelopment off the ground yeah um 
a, a full takeover by someone who has a few quid would be would be a nice thing. I think. Yeah, again, I want I want to spend it correctly. I want to to, to keep that community buzz within the club because it is a like invest in the community. Mate, yeah, hundred percent. Because hundred percent. Don't don't just come in and use as. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Don't just come in and use it as a, as a farming league for another club, or, or you know, use it wisely and 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 make value around the community as a whole. Because it's sitting here. We've said it a lot. It, it's a great community club. It's one of their the rare uh, clubs across the country that, it, as a town, it, it, it's it's like a Rovers. That's it. The, mm. the GAA is here and it is alive uh, in the town in the county. But yeah, you are the large majority. You, you're even walking around the town itself, or you will see more Sligo Rovers jerseys than GAA jerseys. So it's definitely a unique one to have, and I think it's the way they should go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about the Women's World Cup now in a second. Um, but Europe, it's gone. For all our teams, uh, Derry put up a, a great fight and, and really unlucky uh, yeah. to go out on penalties. How do you look back on the European adventures from all the teams? Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? No. It, it, it really wasn't, I don't <laughs> think. Um, the Derry City one was, was, was obviously from every Derry City supporter. It'd be absolutely heartbreaking to take it in the manner that they wore. Uh, going into the game in Tallis Stadium with, with one nil deficit, you could definitely could imagine that he would have turned it over. Will Patch and penalty in the 15th minute, you thought, here we go, we, we plenty of time now to get a second and to put it to bed, but went to penalties and it just, just unfortunately wasn't the bait. It's people always say it's a lottery. I don't really uh, buy into that one myself. I think there still is an art to penalty shootouts and a skill to penalty shootouts, but just wasn't to be on the day. Um, all credit to uh, FC Tobol, who's gone out now to play Victoria Plains uh, in the from Czech Republic. That game is actually today, the fourth leg, and uh, Tobol are two one down in the fourth leg. So looks like Derry City won't even be knocked out by the winners now of the Europa Conference League. <laughs> How embarrassing for us! Um, well, yeah, I think if you're looking, it's definitely been the worst year for League of Ireland sides over the past. Why do you years. think that is, Nathan? Because that's the question that was on the tip of my tongue. It, it, is there a reason why? Because there's a lot of inconsistency in the league, and that's mm. obviously carried through to Europe. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think it's the draws either, right? I, I just, I just oh. think the performance have definitely gotten worse. So yeah, you hate this thing that the standard of the league is dropping. Because as I said, you look at Derry City, really, like it was going to be a difficult tie against against the Kazakhstan side, but you, you could have imagine could have got through. I don't think I think Dundalk made a hash of. Again, similar level opponents that you'd imagine these two should have been. Right, fair enough. Shamrock Rovers coming up against uh, Fring Fargo uh, as well is going to be difficult. But this is the champions of the League of Ireland, and they didn't win one game of Europe this year. No. That's you would have. That's unthinkable. You would have yeah. never thought that, wouldn't you? Going in, into it, especially when they got the draw against Breedeblack uh, from Iceland, you'd imagine it, 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 again is a chance to win there. And me, my own team, St. Pat's Shambolic. I thought he had the most difficult draw out of the first uh, round of the Europa Conference League, but even at that, it wasn't horrifically difficult. Where I just thought it was more difficult compared to Derry and Dundalk, but they just never showed up over the two legs whatsoever. So, um. Yeah, you really would hate to think that the standard of the league is dropping because we talk about all the, the good work that's going into it, but this is where you make... And we'll talk about the money aspect now in a second too. Um, but this is where the money is to be made. And it's, it's to, to think that it's going to be another year of no group stage football, it's a, it's a tough one to take and a tough one to see. I'm not sure. What do you think? Do you think the, the standard of the league is dropping as a whole? And it's, is, is that evidently showing now because of the European one? Well... There was a time uh, over the last couple of years that there was a whole 
load of new young players coming into the league that were lifting the level of the league. I think they've been sucked out of it. They've got to go to England or Italy or wherever they're going. But there it has to take effect at some stage, doesn't it? That there's that many players that are leaving to go wherever it is, Scotland, England, wherever it is, it, over the course of two or three years. The level of football in the, in the league has to drop a little bit because they're not being replaced. And it takes a while to replace young players like that. They're only after coming through. So it's not as if these are the ones who are moving on are in their close to 30 or that. And these were all young I mean, you can talk about whoever, lines, scales, you know, as you said, even goalkeepers, Matted and uh, Nichols or whatever, just they're all getting dragged over. The best of the players are getting taken over. And even like the likes of Jack Bourne and, you know, he was taken away and brought and came back and is a shadow of his former self. Um, I, I suppose it's a good thing that you're looking at these players and they're going on uh, and hopefully make a good career for themselves. But it's also a bad thing for the league because it dilutes the league a little bit of that quality and it'll take a little bit of time for that quality to come back again. And again, we wanted to see in that Royals recently this week with uh, Justin Fierce Irish at the leaving Shamrock Rovers. It's mad that he's, he hasn't got more game time this year. He's gone off to Serie A. We have uh, Adam Orphy, who's really shined in the midfield of Pats this year along with uh, Jamie Lennon, looking he's going to go off to Bristol City. Sam Cortes, another young uh, pass player, looking to head off at the end of the season. They move on. Again, as you said, you, you'd never be good to these lads uh, taking these chances and, and going abroad, but it's difficult to, to really replace them because, as, as you did say correctly, we had a, a time there where every side seemingly had two or three quality players um, and they, they, again, we got some look at the Shamrock Rovers lads, but even the likes of Bohemians with Dawson Devoy, one of the best midfielders in the league too. Um, so it, it is difficult to definitely replace them. I suppose where we just run through the prize money really quickly and what we know for right. next season, because we, we had a little bit of a, of a look what could be coming up for League of Ireland sides next year and in 2025. So uh, Derby City have earned themselves a kill 850,000. That's from their uh, appearing in the Europa Conference Day Tour qualifying round. Uh, Shamrock Rovers aren't too far behind with 810,000. That's where we're getting to the fourth qualifying round of the Champions League and then to the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. Uh, Dundalk have earned themselves 550,000. Again, getting to the second round of the Europa Conference League. And St. Pat's have earned 250,000 uh, for being knocked out in the fourth round of qualification in the Europa Conference League by F91 David Lanch. 200,000 probably gone by now with inflation in the country. But um, <laughs> again, look, that's where the money's been made. We thought about the private money situation enough uh, in the you know domestic league and in the cup. Um, but again, a few little tidbits, Roy, that I've seen uh, in terms of next year. And we will already look forward to next year. Now, you're already passed for the rating to go. Hopefully, Pats are in there. Uh, league of Ordnance clubs will be ranked uh, 36th in the coefficient ranking. So that means the champions will automatically go into the first qualifying round of Champions League. The FAI Cup winners will go into the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. And the third place uh, will go into the fourth round of the Europa Conference League. And we have a little small look. Now, this is not set in stone for 2025. A lot of this is ambitious and a lot of this depends on the likes of Kazakhstan and Finland staying below Ireland. So potentially using that word, they're going to underline that 
even for the people listening that aren't, aren't watching in on YouTube or anything like that, potentially uh, Ireland could be played, uh, and this is actually because of Derry City's win, even though they got knocked out, they technically won the game um, over 90 minutes uh, in Palace Stadium over uh, Tobol. Ireland could be ranked uh, 32nd. So this would see, again, the champions going into the fourth qualifying rounds of the Champions League. Uh, and most actually interestingly, here's the interesting one. The FAI Cup winners could go into the fourth qualifying round of the Europa League. Do you remember that? Do you remember the Europa League? Right. The Irish teams that? yeah, That's mad. Yeah. And with a potential backdoor then of going into the second round of the Europa Conference League. And then again, you'd have the top place sides going into the fourth mm. round of the Conference League. So okay. again, look, that's all ambitious. That's all depending on uh, sides in other countries not winning games. But we'll hold their hope. We'll hold their hope that Europa League football could be returning well we talked about time and time again and I mean plenty of people have talked about it the prize money for winning the league uh, you could do a double here you won't get what Pats are getting uh, for getting knocked out in the first round in Europe it's essential to get yourself yeah. in Europe if you want to start uh, making a few quid to help you along um, and for the likes of Pats uh, you know Derry City might have a few quid behind them but that money still go down really really well you know same with Shamrock Rovers so um, yeah let's I, I think let's hope that there's a few more players starting to come through over the next couple of years and I don't think it's going to be just players coming through next year it's over the next two three years I'd be surprised if we get a group stage team over the next couple of years uh, I hope I'm proven wrong because I want them I really do want them all to do well but I just, I just don't see it. Even Shamrock Rovers, they show, they show, showed nothing, and them, and the players that are there, it's just, I don't know, there's something, there's something not there. There's, there's a freshness gone from that side. There's something there that it's very bland and and one paced, and yeah, I think those young youth players, young players who spark life into teams, we definitely need them. Uh, back in the game so hopefully there's a few coming through uh, it'd be great if they were there next year and, and someone broke through at the end of this season in a lot of teams and, and just gave us that lift the problem is they, they wouldn't be sticking around for too long <laughs> because money talks and, and they'd be taking them out and unfortunately for the League of Ireland at the moment uh, we're not making money talk enough uh, we're probably not taking in enough but uh, that is that so yeah we'll see hopefully fingers crossed next year uh for Nathan, anyhow, he hopes the Pats get in there and uh, get yeah, that we win the cup if we can we get through with the uh, the second rounds of the Europa Conference <laughs> League. And now, uh, we'll just my luck, we'll we'll get drawn to like Kazakhstan or something. Well, so I won't be able to go because Joiner doesn't go there. No, uh, let's talk about that cup because the FAI Cup, the the draw was made and Pats are still there. They are still there, yeah. Um, I'll talk about the game in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, I was up in the Brandywell for the uh, this, the second round game away to Derry City. But we'll just go to the draw very quickly. Not much to get through now. We're getting down to the last eight teams. As I said, St. Pat's have been drawn um, away from home uh, up in Bally Buffet against Finn Harps. This is Finn Harps' first League of Ireland side in this cup competition. Uh, then we had Drotter fresh off their 1-0 win to, uh, away to Kerry. They'll be playing uh, hosting Bohemians in uh, Weaver's Park. And actually an interesting tie here, Roy. Uh, Galway United's BUCD 5 1 at the second time of asking, mm. with the game being abandoned on the Friday night but going ahead on the Monday, uh, comfortably beating UCD. They've been drawn at home to Dundalk. And then uh, to wrap things up, Cork City have been drawn at home to Wexford. And just while we're touching on the Cork City, um, 
it was great to see Rory Keaton uh, not only back playing but back on the score sheet got a goal uh, really really early into the game and one of the photos I think of the season was I don't know if you've seen it but really emotional but the celebrations obviously uh, first goals in the past and every fired so it was great to see uh, Rory back out on the pitch and back then what he does best so that was really was a lovely moment all them toys are to be played on the weekend of September the 15th what are you thinking what stands out what was the what was the one that made you made you a little bit, a little bit excited but that sounds a little bit on the nose for football but uh <laughs> Well, you know that I have a soft spot for Galway, so I was delighted yeah. to see them get through. Um, and I was delighted to see the draw that they got because obviously they would favour a, a, a team maybe out of their own division that they, they feel that they could progress with. But it's just going to be a good tester to see where they stand at the moment against Dundalk. Um, uh, when you look at Cork or Wexford, Listen, either or to go through, uh, I you just don't know what Cork is going to be there on the day. So that could be, it could be an interesting one. But uh, Finn Harps and Pats, Pats have to be happy with that. Finn Harps haven't been blown the league away or anything like that. They might do well in the Leinster Senior League at the moment, but they won't, they haven't been sort of, they've got a few results to be fair. Now I'm not, that's a bit, probably a bit unfair. They've got a few results lately that have have helped them out and, and shown there's a little bit of progression but there's you would be expecting Pats to get through there um, and Drogheda have uh, Bohemians uh-huh. Bohemians uh, well that could go either way you just don't know on the day um, it's, but, it's an open old draw isn't it it, it is, is yeah, open, like it is yeah. it, 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 it's a good one it gives everyone a chance I think um, uh, I don't know I I can see there's something about Galway. I'd love to yeah. see Galway go on and win the cup. I know you don't, but I mean, I'd love to see Galway go on and win the cup. It'd be brilliant. It'd be absolutely brilliant. Just and and then to be in the second round of the the conference. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be mad, wouldn't it? The Troy's the Troy's man back with a band. Come here, look. Yeah. We let them get to the final. I wouldn't be good for that. Right, they can get they can get to the final and uh, get the day out uh, in the Aviva. But yeah, look, come here from a Pat's point of view. Would have preferred an, a home draw just the the, the third away uh, draw in the cup this year, but yeah, definitely could have been a lot a lot worse. But I'm afraid that was a difficult place to go. We we, we know this; it's historically been like that through the years. But uh, from a past point of view, yeah, avoiding Dundalk, avoiding Bohemians, and you know what? Probably even avoiding Galway away because mm-hmm. they've just they've just been on flying form this season. They're steamrolling everybody in the league. They're going to win the league. They're going to come straight back up. You have a really good squad of players there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? I don't think you'd even call it a major cup upset, but I, I would not be surprised at all to see Galway in the final four. No, absolutely not. Um, okay, uh, well, listen. Oh, you want to go? We want to continue on. Yeah. So just before that, actually, one thing that uh, before we move on, little reminder that the women's FEI Cup also uh, starts this weekend coming. So just again, just to remind people of the games coming up this Saturday. Uh, Last year's runners up at Lone, we're playing Galway United. We have a uh, Treat United hosting P Mounts uh, in all Dublin. Uh, clash between Shamrock Rovers and Donna Kearney. Then we have DLR Waves facing Wexford Youths, and then Terenure will be hosting Cork City. And then on to finish up on the Sunday, we have Cabin Teeley hosting Bohemians and the Northwest Derby between Sligo Rovers and Bonaghy United. Um, again, they all kick off across the weekends. 
and anyone interested in Shelbourne, they have been have got a boy to the uh, the next round as the current FAI Cup holders. So if again we're going to talk about the women's World Cup in a minute, but if that's if that's got your interest in women's football, it, it, we'll World Cup now over. There's still plenty of domestic uh, women's football to get interested in, and most importantly, the women's FAI Cup starting this weekend. So if you're interested, do get down to the games and have a look because not only the cups heating up, but the league is heating up too. So yeah. definitely check it out. Go down and support your team. So let's talk about the Women's World Cup. Uh, it's definitely over. Uh, kind of ended in a little bit of controversy. Kissgate. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a bit of backlash on that one. But uh, it was a good... I, I enjoyed the games. I, I loved watching the, the World Cup. There was some uh, some players I had never seen before uh, who really stood out. But for us on an Irish side... When we look back at it, Nathan, do we look back at it with pride? Do we look back with it with regrets? Um, and how do you think Vera Pau looks back at it? I think we look back at it in pride in terms of where the women's national team was in this country not so long ago. Uh, we know they were advocating majorly for not only like equal pay but fair pay in general for improved sponsorship like mm-hmm. we hear the stories of them having no facilities whatsoever in terms of getting changing uh changing airport uh no training gear bathrooms no training gear basic essentials for any uh sports club to, to, to function was just not being provided to them whatsoever oh, excuse me um so since Vera Pell has come in 2019, and we just missed out on Euro 2022, but if they make our first appearance in the Women's World Cup. So I think there's pride to be had in that aspect of the job that was done. I'm sure for a lot of people in the squad that have been long-term members of the squad going through the, the doldrums at international level to now be able to represent that country, especially walking out against Australia and Sydney Roy on the on the opening game. That had to be a huge moment f- yeah. uh, for for them. For all involved, not only the, the older members of the squad, but the younger members of the squad too. It was amazing crowd, amazing atmosphere. It didn't get the, the win on the day, but um that was neither here nor there. It sort of just solidified its uh the journey that they were on. In terms of the legacy, this is probably gonna be the worst answer I could ever give. And I'll I'll, I'll tell you why as well, why I feel this way. I don't know. And I don't think I don't think the legacy is going to be set in stone just yet, Roy. I think that I think that a lot of that has to do with what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks uh, involving Vera Pell. I'd hate to see this be another. And again, I think when people think of this World Cup and think of Ireland's first World Cup, yeah, you will, you know, or oh, the journey they were on. What I just said, the journey they were on, and and to make that appearance is amazing. But I'd hate to see this turn into another Saipan like, for last lack of a better term, a Saipan like um, episode, because. Uh, Vera Pell was awaiting uh, the outcome of the FEI uh, post-World Cup um, internal review. That said, the results of that is said to be coming out at the, at the end of the month when the FEI board have a meeting. This will allow the FEI directors to review the internal report and decide either for or against uh, a contract extension for Vera. So there's been a couple of things uh, up to that. We've talked about the build-up to the World Cup. It certainly wasn't ideal at all. You had um, the uh, the, the NWSL misconduct uh, scandal allegations against uh, against Vera. Then we had uh, that notorious friendly against Colombia, and uh, now a lot of people weren't happy with the some of the warden of Vera's comments uh, in the press comments after that game. 
sentencing is fair, uh, fair in the eyes of our team. And I also just thinking of just looking at the football aspect since qualifying, since that famous game against Scotland where Amber Barra scored and, and got us to the World Cup. We played 10 games, won two, drew three, lost five. So it's hardly a, a, a glittering amount of momentum uh, going into such a, a major tournament. Uh, player they, power they, as well. In fairness, when you looked at the games, and we can go back to player power now in a sec. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Just to say, like when they played against Australia, when they played against Canada, um, I only got to see bits of the Nigeria game just because of the timing of it. Yeah. But they weren't rolled over. There wasn't. They weren't steamrolled over. They put in good uh, first the first half against Canada. They were excellent. Uh, second half uh, against Australia, they played really, really well. So it's not that they went out there like other teams and got beaten four or five nil by these teams. They did put themselves across um, fairly well. And I just wonder, is it a thing where everything that you're saying there, and you can continue on now, Nathan, but everything that you're saying there, that just because we didn't get the wins under our belt or didn't qualify like the Irish men's team maybe did back then when they were fortunate enough to have some of, you know, the better players in the world at the time. Yeah. That that's looked at as a negative. And people seem to jump on Vera Powell's back very, very quickly after they realised that they hadn't qualified. And before I do go on, let me let me do put out there. I hope Fairway gets a contract extension. This is me having a proper favor at all. This is me fear that mm. all of this stuff will be remembered ahead of what you just said because the the weren't staying involved whatsoever. I was disappointed, uh, especially with the Australia and Canada games in terms of thought really about two that's going forward. We look like a side that doesn't score an awful lot of goals, but there's definitely well, is that because we don't have the players. No, there's definitely it was just. It was just uh, like I said, leading up to the tournament, the goals hadn't been flying in at all. Uh, I thought a lot of the players really did stand out. Kate McCabe's going to be the one, isn't she? For um, the, the, the goal she scored against Canada with the corner, was it a cross, was it a shot? It's mm. nominated now actually for a goal of the tournament, so that could be uh, another thing to bring home. But uh, I did mention even uh, ahead of the game from a League of Ireland point of view, um, I believe it was the Australia game, uh, Shamrock Rovers, Abby Larkin came on and I thought she was absolutely excellent. Excellent, excellent performance. Really, really was. So, um, I think these things should be highlighted and the job that's very done. But unfortunately, uh, it is. And to be honest with you, Roy, and I know I don't want to come across a little bit hypocritical. I understand we're talking on a podcast here, like, but we're independent podcasters. We're not in mainstream media, not yet, anyway. Uh, and I, I do think that the mainstream media, um, in particular, I don't really name people. They could cut it out anyway. Um, like so off the ball. Uh, in particular, did take a lot of light off Vera um, and before and after the World Cup and didn't really contextualise the state of the women's national team before Vera found it. So, look, you can't ask the question that we've, we, well, there's no, there's no doubting that we progressed under Vera Pell. And I think you can't ask the question, can she take us any further? How further can, will she take us or issue up for that job? But I think to, really take the shine off of the with the way a lot of the mainstream media has been. It's it's been ridiculous because it's definitely something that shouldn't be looked at at all. And that's the link back up what I was gonna say uh a minute ago, Roy, and it's, it's the whole it, it, it's a thing that's been uh, shined on is the player power aspect of it, is the real much frustration on the squad selection, on the style of play, on the substitutions. We've seen uh, reports of the Kate and the Cave running um placid everywhere. Uh, fortunately, we haven't seen any senior players coming out and publicly uh, back in Vera. So 
I think she has this been definitely let down by that. This all came flooding out, Nathan, the minute yeah. we lost against Canada. It was all yeah. it was all rosy and shiny, and now look, we have a great. You know, we can do this, we can do that. The minute it was, it was a bad taste in the mouth, and I thought it was, I thought it was bad form from uh, and uh, all of the press here who started to try and make it out to be players versus manager, and they were souring things that on yeah. on an on an occasion, uh, and, and the World Cup overall not just the games but the work up overall for Ireland an occasion that should have been cherished and I think they tried to stain it and I, I think a uh, shame on any of those people who, who did that because we we haven't been anything in, in women's football um, and now now there's an eye on us there's an, an eye on us from outside of the country but mostly and most important there's an eye on us from within the country from the women men boys and girls all around the country who will now keep an eye out for the women's national team who will go and attend women national team games and Vera Pau whether you like her you don't like her whether you feel her football is uh, negative or progressive whatever your your opinion is on that she got us to a World Cup and that has to be applauded and on the other side of that, if the FAI decide that because of football and reasons uh, that they feel that they can progress the team on uh, with a new manager because they're entitled to, because the contracts are finished, well, then that's fine. That's fine. That's great. But to make her a scapegoat, I think that would be uh, wrong. 100% and that's why like come here who am I at the end of the day but that's why I wanted to come out just uh, before we went to live before them and, and publish and, and back fairly because she deserves it for everything you, you, you just mentioned there for the job that she's done and from where she's taken women's football like the next game up now is the, the inaugural um, Nations League game against Northern Ireland in the Aviva Stadium and well it's, it's not expected to be a sellout uh, and got intended in the game yourself and ticker sales look really positive and Saying that even five, six years ago would have been absolutely mental that, that uh, the, the women's team would be going to the Aviva and hosting a really, really good crowd. So, and uh, like while that is up to the players as well, Vera has a lot to do with that. Um, so I do, I, de- I definitely think that it's it's been discussing what's happening where we shouldn't even be talking about this coming out of a World Cup. Disappointment we didn't get out of the group, but really, like, it was the group of death, wasn't it? If uh, of yeah. the entire tournament, yeah, it was always no, going to be a difficult one uh, to get out of. and. Yeah, I, I, I think she's been sorely let down by a lot of people, uh, a lot of the, the, the high-end mainstream press that really should be looking at other aspects, but they tend to hone in on, as I said, the, the, the likes of the running with Kate McCabe is something that's been classed all over the place. And even trying to villainise her then, in, in, because you're going to have split arguments about that too. And it's just something that shouldn't be happening. We should be talking about the achievement that's happened, the achievements that can happen and we can progress and go forward and Build look at the Euros yeah. uh, in Switzerland 2025. What can we do then? Can we, we maybe be a little bit less negative? No, we've got to force that monkey off our back now. Can we be a little bit less negative in the tournaments going forward and see how we get on? And highlighting, because the, the homecoming was fantastic, barely seen every, any coverage of the homecoming, right? Yeah. And even and that was with the homecoming, it was all... Oh well, you know, no one's really with Vera. Nobody probably back back Vera. I I, I thought it was disgusting, and I thought yeah. she was really, really let by, um, by a lot of people. 
Um, I suppose, look, can we just bookend this on a little bit of a... Um, it probably isn't a positive story, but it's just someone that probably deserves the recognition, Roy. And that's um, Anya O'Gorman has retired from international football. Uh, again, what a way to go out. Uh, 34-year-old Sean McGrover's player has stepped down from uh, international duty. She represented Ireland from underage, from the under-17s and the under-19s. She even won the uh, FEI under-19s Women's International Player of the Year in 2006. Uh, and has been capped 117 times uh, at senior level with 14 goals, with that career expanding from 2006 to 2023. Um, well, she didn't play a massive part in the World Cup. She did um, favorite an hour against Canada, but uh, someone that, again, this is actually probably one of the players I was alluding to earlier when I talked about a player that was through the dark times and through the doldrums at international level. So to be able to walk out and represent a country at a World Cup that's a perfect way to bookend an international career, surely. So, um, yeah, best of luck to Anya. And I'm sure we will still see her uh, playing in the Women's Premier Division for a good few years to come because she's showing no uh, signs of slowing down whatsoever because yeah. she's still playing at the top of her game uh, domestically. Yeah, no. Um, a bit of positivity to finish off there. I just wanted okay. to finish off with positivity. Yeah, I like to sprinkle yeah, that. No, I like to yeah. sprinkle that around. Can't be all doom and gloom, Nathan. No, it's um, a nice change. Okay, let's back to the doom and gloom. Fam question. Yeah, happy days. Actually, what are you messing with? <laughs> Love the doom and gloom. Love it all. You know it's our boy, Kevin Sheridan. It has been for a while now. Uh, I've actually been storing this enough for a couple of weeks, waiting on someone to get sacked. So that's probably as doom and, doom and gloom <laughs> as you can get. Uh, but yeah, keep, get the fan question into us. Um, the big kickoff, uh, Roy Shanahan, Nathan Doyle, social media. The big kickoff, social media. Uh, well, we're scanning, we're always checking. So please do get them in. Um, so Kevin's question this week, Roy, is he starts off by saying uh, there's been no seconds in a while. Uh, thankfully, I suppose I'll probably add that in for Kevin. Uh, but now that we're coming into the final round of fixtures, what managers do you think could be under serious pressure? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Uh, there's it's hard to know because I, I look at the league table here and I don't see a position that a team shouldn't be in. I'm looking at UCD. We kind of knew that at the start of the season that that's the way it was going to be for them. They had their, their the players taken away from them uh, last year, so they did really well to stay up, but uh, they were gone. Cork City, we kind of thought, might struggle just coming back up. Uh, Drogheda and Sligo, we, we said as well at the start of the season that we felt that they would be down there and if Cork City had a chance of staying up that those two teams would be the ones that they would have to look to, to take advantage of in uh, in that regard and they still have a bit of work to do there. Uh, Shelbourne, we probably thought then that, you know, they could kick on a bit and as we discussed probably the other week, it's just the draws that kind of killed them. It's not that they haven't yeah. been performing well and it's just, you know, there is there is room there for improvement. How do you see, like, I mean, the top, like Dundalk, Bohemians, Derry, Pats, Rovers, I don't see anyone in that, in that division there that I could say, listen, you could say Derry City, you thought that they'd be probably topping that table nearly if, if, if clo- a little bit closer to Shamrock Rovers. I know it's not too far away. Pats are probably doing a little bit better than I thought they would do. Bows are probably doing about, they probably started better than I thought and they probably have more points than I thought they would at this stage. And Dundalk are kind of that middle of the table, table team now at the moment because they're kind of rebuilding themselves. 
if anyone, Shamrock Rovers could be the ones who might look out for a new manager because maybe they think things might just go a little bit stale. And with Stephen, you know, the tension for him there last year, would he look to go somewhere else? May not be a second, but maybe it's something that they might might have thought. Maybe we could change things around here and... Uh, but that's really plucking a straws the top of the table by four points. Uh, I I just don't. As I said already, we discussed this during the show. I just don't see anything attractive about Shamrock Rovers at the moment. The way I did the last couple of years. Um. So I really I don't really see anyone under pressure. I think everyone is where they should be. Yeah, I go as far as saying in both divisions, I don't see anybody getting. Uh getting let go of the duties until the end of the season. I think we'll see a bit of chopping and changing, as we always do. Um, like Cork City, it's no secret that Liam Buckley isn't going to be the manager uh, going forward, but I think they yeah. will stick with Liam towards the end of the season. You know, if that looks like a team Clancy to save a job, will he go to Cork? We'll have to wait and see. Um, again, Slugger Rovers, I think they will keep hold of Johnny Russell until the end of the season, but he'll definitely move on. His contract is up at the end of the year, I think they will. Uh, look for some uh, fresh injection to, to come in and do that because Johnny Russell has been there since the Liam Buckley days. He came, mm. he, he's been involved with the club for a number of years and as as a player too, went was uh, assistant manager to uh, Liam Buckley. So uh, I, I think he will move on at the end of the year. Again, even while looking at the fourth division, we talked about the inconsistency of Longford and the in, likes of the inconsistency of, of Finn Harps, but um, I don't see Stephen Henderson or Dave Rogers leaving over, over the, uh, the the final course of uh, of fixtures. Both of them are I don't like not realistically, especially Finn Hearts really aren't realistically in a fight for a player position. They're six points off Wexford in fifth place, but I can't see them crawling up the table too much. They haven't, played, only four they haven't, been, off. They haven't played in the way that we thought they would have we they haven't positioned themselves in no. the position that we would have thought. But I still think that they're probably going to stick with him. Uh, if yeah. he made it, it made a miserable start to the start of next season. That might change things around. But uh, as you said, a couple of wins there could have him up mid table, and, and and that could settle everything. Yeah, he's on a four year deal. I I think it is definitely a project, and he had a massive bail, didn't he? He lost most of his squad in last season, yeah. so I think they'd be disappointed where they are. I thought. Like I think I predicted them to finish third, which is looking at worse and worse as the weeks go on. But I think they yeah. thought they would have been in around the playoffs. But yeah, I don't think they panic too much. Look, come here, Kevin. I'm not going to leave you in a high and have nobody <laughs> answer your question. I said it last week. Now, I don't think he's going to get sacked by the end of the season. But if I was to pin down one manager, just, just to cap off with an answer, I think it'd be Ian Ryan. I think Ian, like you're looking at Bray Wanderers again, they're in that playoff position. A lot of clubs are, but they're winless in seven league games. That's really not a good record at all. Yeah. And it's also a madhouse up there. Like if you're looking at one club to make a rash decision, I mean, money, if it's not at Lawn and Waterford, Bray's in that conversation as well. So I well, I don't think Ian Ryan will be in trouble anytime soon, especially at the end of the season. Just to answer your question, Kev, there you go. We'll there finish you go. Uh, yeah okay listen thanks Kev as always uh, thanks to you for listening and Nathan as always t- for being here and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>